All right, let's get back and back to the phone line. It's going to be Janice and Mark and Judson, Justin, and Janice is up first. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? I, it's just a wonderful day, getting a little moisture in the ground. Yes, we're up here in Boulevardy, and we're still getting some thunder and some rain, so we're enjoying it, every drop of it. <laughs> yes, indeed. I have some questions about our garden. Okay. Um, we sort of got a late start this year, and the potatoes, so they've been in the ground about three weeks, and they have not started coming up. Is that normal? Soil's still pretty cool. Um, how deeply did you plant the little sections? I've... I don't remember exactly, but I tried to follow your directions. Is it four inches? No, it should be about an inch. They will. Okay, well, then that's probably what I did because I did. <laughs> okay, they will come up, but you may have to wait a little longer. And you did use the seed potatoes? Yes, sir. Okay, then you're going to be fine. Again, an inch down, I would expect to see them up now. But uh, up north, and, you know, if you read those planting instructions, they're always going to tell you four inches, six inches. It's just a lot deeper than we have to do it down here. And uh, they should come up, but uh, you may be waiting another couple of weeks before you see them. Okay, well, that's good. I was beginning to panic because we like our fresh potatoes. (laughs) I know the feeling. So, and the other question I have is, um, my husband is so excited. He actually has a baseball-sized artichoke on his plant. Excellent. And two little babies next to it. We're curious as to how big does it get, and when should we know that it's mature enough to pick? Well, what your what your artichoke is is basically a flower bud. I don't know if you've ever seen one after it blooms out, that kind of fuzzy material that we scrape out when we eat them, turn a beautiful violet-blue color. They actually make a real pretty flower. A lot of people grow them as dried flowers. They don't mature, so to speak. They... uh, uh, they don't get they don't flavor doesn't change nothing changes from the time they're a relatively small bud until they're full size and starting to open so there's not an exact point at which you have to pick them um, I look right at the tip of them and I always want to harvest them before those little individual leaves start to separate very much while it's still pretty much a firm bud um, as the plants get bigger they will have bigger uh, buds on them, bigger artichokes on them, where you have more than one on a stem. The second group that comes out will be somewhat smaller, but just uh, uh, if you get to where you can see that kind of blue growth down in the middle, you've you've let it go a little bit too long. But just watch that tip end of the bud and get it before those really start to separate. And if you get them a little too small, there's nothing wrong with that. It's better to get them a little too small than to get them a little too open. Okay, so if we cut cut the big one off, the two little ones will come on and grow to oh, the yeah. bigger ones? Yeah, they probably will not be quite as big as the original one. But uh, uh, other thing I will tell you about artichokes, at the end of the growing season, they will look like they died. They turn brown, they die back to ground level, and you think they're dead and gone. What happened? Then about three weeks later, they come out and start growing again. So don't give up on them and don't pull them up. Just cut off what looks like that big dead plant up on top. This will be about July or August. And uh, just keep watering, fertilizing. First thing you know, the whole plant will start over and it'll be twice as big next year. I'm so glad you told me that because I'm good yanking out dead things. (laughs) Well, it looks dead, but believe me, it's not dead. Okay, very good. So... And okra and the beans and stuff, is it, and that's, even though we were late, 
the, with this weather's been so crazy. So yeah. that's probably the reason they're not coming up as well as they Well, should. I would have not told you to plant okra for another two weeks. Okra likes the soil hot, and uh, you're just going to have to watch and see how well it germinates. Beans, yeah, beans should be up and growing now. It takes about... 10 days in general for the beans to come up. Uh, hope you didn't plant them four inches deep, half an inch is more like it on beans, but, uh, uh, your beans should be up pretty soon. Your okra by the first of May, if you haven't had it start to germinate, then you may need to plant some more. But when you plant, put okra seed in, in cooler soil, it just doesn't do real well. The plants that come up take a long time to really take off and start growing. So uh, I think you planted your okra a little too early this year. It will probably come up, but if you don't have good little plants showing by first of May, plant some more okra seeds cheap. Okay, fine. And one other quick question. We've had asparagus. We have a dedicated role to the asparagus because we found out the hard way how that stuff spreads. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's not sprouting as quickly as it has in the past. Is that still due to the weather? It's due to uh, the weather being cooler. It may also be due to the fact that you didn't water it enough over the winter months. We've been very, very dry uh, throughout January, February, and March. You probably should have been watering your asparagus a couple of times a week. If you weren't keeping it that moist, then it's going to be a little bit slower coming out. The uh, shoots, the spears will not be as big as you were used to. So uh, it's a combination of weather and perhaps, and, and my garden, I'll freely admit, I didn't water it often enough. Most people didn't, but that can certainly contribute to, to its being a little bit later this year as well. Okay. All right. Well, you answered my questions. Thank you very much. That's what I'm here for. I appreciate the call. Thank you, Janice. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Certainly. Goodbye. All right. Mark's up next. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Bob. Well, good morning, sir. Did you get a good rain this morning? Well, not well. We got a temp so far. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's raining, but yeah, this is the first time it's rained in you know weeks. So. Oh yeah, yeah, and every drop is welcome. It's going to be interesting when I get home this afternoon. Can't wait to see because I'm like you. I haven't had a decent rain since early January, so we're hoping this will be the one we need. Yes, I'm really. Yeah, it, it's kind of scary for the gardening season again. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I'm calling in with the hummingbird report. Okay. The um. They're they're increasing at about a hundred per day now, I guess. Oh wow! Uh huh. So we're somewhere we're somewhere around a thousand right now. Golly! So, yep. So I was close to four gallons of stuff yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> you are dedicated to hummingbird feeders. Well, it's kind of yeah. For the people that don't know, the they found that the hummingbird babies come back to where the parents or you know where they were born. Uh huh. And and so after being here fifteen years, I figure it's somewhere around. Well, last year we had close to 1,500. This year it could be double that if we want to try to do it. <laughs> well, anyway. there's no way that the hummingbirds can exist totally on what we as people provide for them. They they will right. spread out some on their own, but uh, right. we right. we give them all the candy, and uh, then they've got to go find their open protein and things like that in the flower. So uh, right. Right. they may come back, but they'll come back to the area but yeah oh, sure right. does make it fun are you seeing uh purple chins you're seeing ruby throats what all are you seeing now what what, what do we have now yeah, yeah we have some of both now yeah yeah they're they're both here of course the males showed up first like they always do oh yeah, yeah the females started coming in a few days ago well they they really we had that big norther on the first or whatever right. 
And and when the wind came back from the south, that's when they just started really coming in. <laughs> well, you've got a lot of fun. Since you guys do feed so many hummer, hummingbirds, tell people what you use as a mixture and any special hints you would give as to, obviously, your feeders, they dry them out pretty quickly. But uh, how, how often do you refill and what kind of sugar and water mix do you use? Well, we use a, a, a one to four, just straight sugar mm-hmm. to water. And we don't we don't use our softened water for that. We use the well water. Right. And and um, yeah, we basically just refill them, you know, as they empty. The um, so we don't really worry about washing them except every few days. You right. Know, try to get a routine down. When when they're emptying so fast, it doesn't matter. And absolutely so, no food coloring. No, there's no reason to put food coloring in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's what the with the with the red feeders, you know. They come to that. <laughs> you know, that <laughs> and there's we a do. lot of research that says those dyes are not good for the birds, but I still talk to people almost every day that think you have to add food coloring. And uh, I tell them no, but maybe they'll believe the folks that feed uh, 15 humming, 1,500 hummingbirds at a time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah w- we also, of course, have uh, lots of plants. You know, we manage our sure. property for, for wildlife. And so there's, there's lots of flowers. And uh, coral honeysuckle is our best early one. Oh, yeah. That's. That's blooming great right now. And uh, my salvia gregii is up and in bloom, and they're starting to hit that. And, of course, oh, gosh, it's it's just so much fun uh, watching them. And uh, um, so, anyway, well, listen, I very much appreciate the report. Well, gotta, um, oh, there's there's some the cool videos of a lot of hummingbirds on www.birdoasis2.net. Birdoasis2, the letter or the number two? The number two, dot okay. net. There's a, there's a couple with a lot of hummingbirds. Uh, I do have a gardening question. Okay. Um, I we put in some um, uh, snow peas late, mm-hmm. and they're just now they're just now blooming. How long do you think it will, it will take from now to where we can get edible peas? Mm, less than a week. Once oh, okay. they're blooming, you'll start getting edible peas almost immediately. And from oh, the time the bloom is pollinated until you get the pea. Edible size is usually no more than three or four days. I will tell you, planting them late, probably one of the most important things you will do is spray them regularly with liquid seaweed because oh, the okay. thing that, that ends the production from uh, snow peas is uh, red spider mite infestation most years. And oh, by oh, toughening oh, them up with liquid seaweed, you can extend your productive season. And uh, uh, it's kind of like hummingbirds. Nobody can have too many good snow peas. Right, right. So, and you can eat those at any size, pretty much. Absolutely. Right? The bigger they get, the tougher they get, and uh, it's just trying to pick one that's big enough that you get some substance to it, but one that hasn't gotten overgrown and stringy. And uh, um, gosh, you're just right. you're making me hungry just thinking about fresh snow peas. <laughs> they were not happy at all the other day when it was 88 degrees. <laughs> No, and I had so, 92, but, you know, they were happier at uh, when we got the frost last Tuesday than some other things were. So uh, right. get after them with that liquid seaweed. Okay, uh, we're supposed that. to move back to more moderate temperatures, highs in the 70s, lows in the right. low 50s. Right. So hopefully you're going to extend your season very well. Luckily. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate the call. All right, back to gardening, and uh, we're going to talk to Justin Rees and Kathy, and Justin's up first. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm good, sir. How about yourself? Man, I'm great. My <laughs> freshly laid sod is loving this rain. So. Isn't that the truth? It's uh, just couldn't be much better. Yes, sir. Hey, i got a, uh, a pretty quick question for you. I'm just looking for a, uh, a good arborist to come by the house and uh, give me a good assessment of my oak trees. 
Okay. I uh, was wondering if you could recommend one or two. If you want, um, in effect, the best arborist that I know, in fact, this is a guy that teaches the courses that other arborists has to take, have to take to become certified. Um, you want to talk to uh, David Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-A-N. Uh, give me a second or two here, and I will tell you, give you a phone number. David worked for uh, Edder Tree Care, and I still, they're my favorite of the tree care people for many years. Uh, he retired this past year, and he is doing strictly consulting. And like I say, he's he's the most knowledgeable arborist I know. And if you've got a pencil, his phone number is 210 788 4986 and uh that's 7884986 david will give you a good assessment of your trees he will tell you what does or does not need to be done he is not the guy that will do the work he can probably recommend to you and i mean if you just need if you just need removals you don't need to pay for the services of a you know a really good arborist um right. if you just need root flare exposure again you don't need somebody that's qualified you don't need somebody qualified to do brain surgery when you you know <laughs> need to have a a little skin tag removed but uh david is the best guy i know uh, second best would be ed etter himself uh of etter e t t e r etter tree care but uh, David's just the guy that I call if I have questions. Okay, that'll work. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Anything else I can help you with? No, sir. That was quick and easy. You get out and enjoy a beautiful day, Justin. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Thank you. Certainly. Bye. All right, we get to talk to Reese next. Good morning, Reese. Good morning, Bob. Thanks for taking the call. Thank you for I calling. Have three quick questions. Okay. You know, the first one is about tomatoes. Okay. I still have them in the planters. Do you think it is time now to put them in the ground? <laughs> well, mine are probably going to go into the ground this week. I'm very thankful yeah. I had not planted mine because I got frost yeah. last week. But I am going to declare it that it's safe to plant tomatoes now. Now, I do, as you've heard me say, I put that little right. bit of screen over the top of the tomato cage just for hail protection because we... Mm -hmm. We're not immune from somewhat violent weather, but I think we're beyond the danger of uh, a freeze at this point. Oh, yeah. This is the best time. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and hopefully we'll have nice, moist soil to work right. in. <clears throat> and the next question is molasses. You know, do I put the granular, throw the granular in the grass, or do I soak them in the water and spray the water in the grass? You don't soak them in water. If you want to put out a liquid, you buy liquid molasses and you just dilute it and spray it uh the okay. so-called dry molasses mm -hmm. doesn't dissolve and um you don't get nearly as much benefit trying to soak it the dry molasses is meant to be distributed just like a dry fertilizer you can throw it out by hand oh. you can put it out with a spreader you can get out on a windy day and just throw it up in the air and let nature spread it around for you but the dry molasses is meant to be applied dry it does not burn you don't don't have to water it in it doesn't really go to work until you water it but uh if you want if you want to put out a liquid then just buy straight molasses don't buy the dry if you want to put it out as a dry not really a powder but as a dry uh flake so to speak then you buy the dry molasses oh i bought a big bag of dry molasses oh it's and and that's the easiest stuff to put out no mixing no mess um okay. you just uh can like i say sprinkle it out or put it out however it's easy for you but absolutely no reason to soak it just get out there uh it's very pleasant smelling and just get out there and start slinging it around oh great that's good to know 
Yeah. And the next one is about the roses. Mm-hmm. I have uh, knockout roses. They are just in full bloom right good. now. Very good. But there are other ones like Oklahoma Rose, Chrysler Imperial, and Promise Rose. Uh-huh. How do I protect them against getting any diseases? Well, there are two things that tend to bother roses. Uh, there is a little insect called a thrips insect, which gets inside of the bud, and it keeps the flowers from opening normally. And when the flowers open, many times the edges of the petals are dried and burned. We prevent the thrips insect by spraying periodically with just liquid garlic. You can buy garlic barrier, mosquito barrier, any kind of liquid garlic. Spray your roses early in the day with that. Do it every, oh, two to three weeks, and it's taken up uh, by the rose plant, and you will not have thrips problems. Now, the other things that roses get, they get uh, a couple of different fungal diseases. One of them is called black spot fungus. The other is powdery mildew. And in both cases, I like spreading that cornmeal around on the ground underneath the rose bushes. This is a really good question, by the way, because a lot of the black spot comes from when we get a good rain like we had this morning or when a sprinkler is running. It actually splashes the spores of the disease up out of the soil and onto the leaves. When you have put some cornmeal around the base of the plant, you've killed off a lot of the bad stuff that is in the soil waiting to splash up onto the plant. So in and this way, it stops the black spot from ever getting started. Now, the mildew and some of the black spot occurs from spores that kind of drift through the air. And so if you have these show up on your plants, um, you can just soak some of the cornmeal in water and use that as a spray. The garlic that you spray out there to keep the thrips insect away, that is also going to work to prevent your fungal problems from ever getting started. So uh, I tend to put out the cornmeal under the plants, and then I don't spray again with any any fungicidal product unless I see a problem. And if I'm good about spraying every two or three weeks with the garlic spray, uh, that not only stops the thrips, it also stops most of the fungal problems. Oh, great. That's a good point. I'll start doing it right today. Uh, also, you know, I love this rain, Bob. You oh. just applied compost to my lawn. That's oh, just perfect timing. Friday, and this is the perfect timing. <laughs> You're <laughs> living well, right, Reese. Get out and have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye, Thank Bob. you. <laughs> Bye. All right. Let's see. Let's go ahead and talk to Kathy. Good morning, Kathy. Yes, sir. I wanted to ask about rosemary. Uh, our rosemary had been doing really well, uh, but after this, uh, winter it's just not doing well um it's got uh first i had white flies and we sprayed it with the spinosad so mm-hmm. uh got rid of those but it's just uh not green like our neighbors uh it's got little dots of black spots on it okay. but I, I don't see aphids or anything okay is is this the uh spreading kind or the upright kind of rosemary Prostrate or standard? Upright? Uh, Upright. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, How old are the plants? How long have they been in? We just put them in last year, last April. I have to tell you, it's probably a water issue. Um, We had rosemary suffers if it gets too dry. It suffers if it gets too wet. Uh, We had a very wet fall, which was hard on some of the rosemary. And then we've had a very, very dry spring, which is hard on, especially on new plants that haven't gotten real well established. So um, the, the issue is probably not disease. It's probably not insects. It's probably 
you know, related to soil moisture. Do you water them by hand? Do you water them with a sprinkler system? How do they get watered? Uh, we have been doing it uh, underground drip system. Okay. Um, but uh, we had backed off because some of the other plants uh, looked like it was getting too much water. Mm-hmm. Um, so we haven't watered them really a good soaking for two or three months maybe. That's probably what the problem is. Okay. Yeah, it's just rosemary it's it's a mediterranean plant it is used to getting regular water but you know not in uh not excessively frequently but a plant that's less than a year old if we don't get good rain i'd be watering them at least every week to 10 days and we have had a good rain all season i mean it's been last i looking at my records it was early january the last time i really got a good soaking rain up until today and I can almost promise you that your neighbor's rosemary has been planted longer and probably was uh, or is a little bit more resilient, hasn't needed the water quite so much. But it takes woody shrubs a good two years to really get those roots established. So I would do a couple of things. I would water them in with a good liquid fertilizer. Let's give them a little boost if we can. Uh, they're, they're probably going to look worse before they look better. Uh, you may lose a few of them. Uh, once they start looking bad, sometimes it's a little harder to bring them back out of it. But watch them carefully. This is the time of year that they would normally be putting on new growth. Uh, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for you that uh, that they go ahead and start flushing out. If they are literally still alive six weeks from now, you'll never know you had a problem. Uh, but I think the issue is strictly water and a little bit of, you know, has to grow or one of these small liquid plant foods or something like that will help. And if we don't continue to get good rains, uh, give them a good thorough soaking, either with your drip, um, although it's it's kind of hard when you can't see how much water you're getting out. But uh, give them a good thorough soaking about every 10 days as we move into warmer weather. And uh, let's talk by the middle of May and see how they're looking. Very good. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. Thanks for the call this morning, Kathy. Uh, Bye-bye. Goodbye. Good morning, Linda. Yes, good morning, Bob. Good morning. Uh, Bob, I have a bearded uh, iris okay. flower bed, and it has not bloomed. Last year, I got one bloom, and this year, there's nothing. And mu- the, the leaves are, are beautiful, blue-green and big, but no flowering. How How much sun? Full sun. Absolute full sun all day long. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, In that case, it would almost certainly have to be a fertilizer issue. Now, lots of bearded iris are just now starting to bud. There are a few varieties that are a little bit earlier, but uh, I would be getting a liquid fertilizer, fish emulsion, Medina has to grow, Espoma's liquid. I'd be using that every couple of weeks. But uh, your bearded iris should bloom. Now, there's no such thing as too hot or too bright. And most of the time, that's the issue. It's not enough sun. But if yours are in full sun, that's not the problem. You haven't mulched them. You haven't actually covered the rhizomes with anything, have you? No. No, nothing. I would fertilize then, and I would expect to see blooms in two to three weeks. Okay, I think that's my problem right there. <laughs> yeah, fertilize. Uh, check back with me uh, around Mother's Day, and let's talk about how many beautiful flowers you've had. I will. Thank you, Bob. Have a good day. <laughs> you do the same, Linda. Thank you. Don's turn now. Good morning, Don. Morning, Bob. Morning. My question is this year is uh, uh, we got a 
probably a big crop of loquats. And what is the best way to seed them up as plants? Because they're fixing to clear some real estate. And I figured they'd be real nice along the fences putting loquats in avocados in you you will do very well avocados are great but now avocados uh you're down in divine so you are in uh, soil that drains well and loquats do require supplemental watering they are um they're one of those things that we just don't have a choice we have to water them in dry summer months so as long as you will be able to do that on this property they would i think be a very good border plant they get very big very quickly but they are very easy to grow once those uh once that fruit is uh golden yellow color uh pick as whatever many you like uh eat the flesh make preserves out of them whatever but just kind of wash that seed don't try to get it really clean just get a you know a portion of the meat off of it plant the seeds and you'll have close to a hundred percent success i if it were me doing it i would go ahead and start them out in uh, one gallon nursery cans i would put two seeds per pot I keep them warm. I keep them wet, and you should have nice little loquats uh, before beginning of summer. Okay. How about the avocado? Avocados. I'm not going to tell you to plant from seeds because all of the avocados that we get in the grocery stores will not take even a light freeze. Now, if you have one of the Mexican varieties, Mexicola, Opal, uh, Joey, there. If you have those. Uh, you can do the same thing. Just plant the seed with the pointed end up, maybe an inch down in the soil. But don't be planting your haws, your calavos. Don't be planting the avocados that you got out of the grocery store, or uh, they're going to freeze and die uh, within five years. Uh, we're almost certainly to get a killing freeze, uh, even in divine. So uh, don't don't be starting them from seed unless you have avocados from the cold hardy varieties. Yeah, the avocado tree we have is like. 25 feet tall <laughs> okay it produces a lot of avocados well it's one of the local grown avocados out of divine yeah it's uh they uh um they you had your fellow down there that uh was growing the mexican varieties before it became really popular don on those just uh again enjoy the flesh of the avocado uh, plant the seeds uh, again the old-fashioned way fun thing to do is put toothpicks in them put them in a glass of water that doesn't do the kind of roots you're wanting just uh, do the same thing only in this case put one seed per pot plant the seed about an inch deep keep it warm keep it moist and uh, you'll get nice young trees now here's the thing about those mexican avocados is the first winter while the bark is still smooth they're probably not going to be real cold hardy and if we have a cold winter you will need to protect the avocados you won't need to protect the loquats but by the second year they should be developing a rough bark and they shouldn't need any more help from you other than watering but in both cases you're going to just start with seeds planted about an inch deep in the case of loquats i'm going to put two per pot in the case of avocados i'm going to put one per pot okay is it good to start them in the black cow um if i were using black cow i'd mix it about half and half uh just your garden soil about half and half with the compost Okay, I'm going to try to do a couple of hundred, see how it works. Yeah, you should do extremely well with it. Let me know how your progress goes. All righty. Thank you very much. You're sure welcome. Thank you, Don. Bye. Okay, Mike is next. Good morning, Mike. Hey, Bob. How you doing? I'm great. Thank you. It's a rainy day. I love it. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm driving in it. Uh, anyway, uh, just a couple quick questions. 
Um, you were talking to someone about uh, an arborist. Yes. And I had a question for you. I had a, a plumbing leak, mm-hmm. and come to find out that the leak was under a live oak tree. Okay. And he had to cut some significant roots on that tree. Okay. I wish we'd talked before you did that. I could have solved that problem for you. But uh, how close to the tree, how many roots did he cut? Um, it was about it was about <laughs> six feet from the street up. It wasn't like directly under the tree. Okay. It was maybe a foot away from it, but okay. I had like uh, a root going towards my driveway. Um, he cut that and it was a pretty good sized root. Uh, I had a couple of leaks actually because the, the roots were pushing that, that PVC, mm-hmm. like, you know, this way and that way. Yeah. Um, so I'm just wondering, I was thinking about actually taking that tree out. That tree's, almost 20 years old mm-hmm. um and i have a i have a red oak on the other side and it was fighting with a um i don't know what the name of that tree is but uh, the tree that looks like a little q-tip okay um it puts out it puts out with like white flowers i can't think of the name of it could be could be an anaqua could be um, anyway, well, uh, the, anyway, yeah, so it grew, it grew all bent. Uh-huh. So I was actually thinking about taking both of them out, but I was just wondering about that live oak since he had to take some of those roots out. Well, if, the, the live oak is the best tree you have. It's the longest live tree. It's the most durable tree. And I, you know, it just depends on what tree you want to have. It sounds like you've got three trees that are somewhat competing for the same light in the same space. And this happens in nature all the time. When they are competing for light, they don't grow as straight. But obviously, um, you walk through, you know, any forested area and you're going to see all sorts of trees growing together. But, you know, if, if the cutting if the this tree if it's 20 years old it's pretty good sized tree um you obviously damaged a number of the roots um but the tree will almost certainly survive you will see probably some limbs that don't do as well it's funny that uh the limbs on like say the left side of a tree will be you know fed mostly by the roots on the left side of the tree so uh-huh. where he cut up against that side of the tree it's going to take longer for those that side of the tree to develop and grow well but i see no reason to take that tree out now uh you could you could have an arborist assess whether that tree is weaker whether he cut enough of the roots that that tree could go down in a storm if that were the case then uh then i would think about uh you know then i make the decision of whether to take the tree out but so far you haven't well, if it were my yard you haven't told me any reason that i'd want to replace well, that live oak that i don't know if it would i don't know if it would go down in a storm because i have a couple other roots uh-huh. on that tree going towards like the street uh-huh um and i mean they're like like you're always talking about uh you want to see the the root flare and everything right right 
I mean, you can see these roots on top of the ground. Well, and there are probably lots more roots underneath it. You just yeah. haven't given me any compelling reason to take that tree out. If if it were mine, that is a tree I'd be looking at saving, and I wouldn't do a thing. Now, if you ever have to do this again, or for the benefit of everybody else out there who may have a plumbing problem underneath a tree, uh, it is very easy, very fast, and probably no more expensive to dig a trench with an air spade than it is with a backhoe or whatever the plumber usually wants to use and you can dig a beautiful trench without disturbing the roots you simply put your new pipes right underneath those roots and you fill the soil back in a a man that knows what he's doing could dig a 20-foot trench uh, three or four feet deep in a couple of hours time with an air spade and do absolutely zero damage to the roots on a valuable tree and that's what i recommend when you're uh when you're having to do any real excavation, your plumbers don't want to do that. They just want to bring you in a backhoe in the hell with the tree. We didn't, we didn't even know Bob that, uh, we had any issues until I got a bill and I had like a $400 water bill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, that, that does occur, but the point is just if you have to dig a trench in the future, there are things other than backhoes to do it with and you can work. Yeah, no, he didn't, this guy, he was an older gentleman and everything. He didn't dig a trench. He dug a hole where he thought, you know, the yep. leak might be, uh, and it was only maybe a foot or so. Yeah. Well, you know, 12, my, my point is he didn't have to cut the roots. You could have worked around oh, and, and okay. saved the 